This is an Al Sakal production. Al Sakal's Folio features in-depth articles, videos and podcasts about the arts and culture of the Al Sakal Avenue and the wider art scene. For more information and to check out Al Sakal's ever-expanding portfolio of events, interviews and reviews, see alsakalavenue.ae. and welcome to Conversations on the Avenue with me, artist and broadcaster, Fari Bradley. In this episode, we interview Manal Aldouayan, one of Saudi Arabia's leading artists, ahead of her major solo show in Madrid. Aldouayan lives between Dubai, London and Saudi and her photography, neon works and installations have graced the Venice Biennial as well as museums such as the Gwangju Museum in South Korea the Louisiana Museum of Modern Art in Denmark and the UK's Victoria and Albert Museum. Aldoyan's artworks often fearlessly address the position of women in Saudi society. They are part of the collections at the British Museum, LA County Museum, the Louisiana Museum and Mataf in Qatar. Here we discuss with Manal her forthcoming show with the Sabrina Amrani Gallery in Madrid a recent installation at the Aga Khan Museum in Toronto, and her evolving works with textiles. Manal also gives us her top tips on who to look out for amongst the emerging female artists of our time. So I'm joined now for Folio at Al Sakal by eminent Saudi artist Manal Aldwayan. Thank you so much for joining me today, Manal. Tell me a little bit about what you've been up to recently. I know you had a show at the Aga Khan Museum. Hi, Fari. Yeah, just uh, at the beginning of the summer, the Aga Khan Museum brought in a work of mine that I made ages ago, about 2011, and uh, they've installed it within their atrium, and it's still on till today, and it's called Suspended Together. It's an artwork that was one of my earlier participatory works, which is sort of my focus in my practice. And what I did was I invited women to submit or send to me scans of their permission document to travel. So in Saudi Arabia, women, in order to travel, will need a male guardian to give them permission to cross the borders of the country. And so I placed these documents on these doves, and uh, I have about 200 of them. One of the sets, uh, about 200 of them, sits in uh, Doha, Mathaf, Modern Art Museum of Arab Art. And another set sits at the British Museum. And now there's a, a small set of them hanging in the Aga Khan Museum. And they're called Suspended Together because the artwork includes documents from award-winning scientists, artists, writers, and children as young as six months and grandmothers. And all of these women, in order to travel or move, would need this permission slip. And in the way it's portrayed within the form of a, a dove, the doves look like they're in flight, but in reality they are suspended together. Brilliant. So these static doves are suspended in a group together by wire and they hang at different levels. 
Is it readable? Is it legible when you come into the Aga Khan Museum? Well, if you want to, you can sort of read, but it's really an official document that just has lines, scribbles, and a couple of stamps. But you can see a space on the document where it says allowed to travel once or multiple times and other little like uh, official information. In reality, it's not about the details of the form because the document looks very different from each woman to woman because uh, different different passport control offices produce different documents across the country. It is sort of a moment where you observe a huge number of, of women that are prominent and you know that they're prominent if you're told, but I knew who they were and that they sort of create this mass of amazing energy that is frozen. How did you link up with all these women? What was the outreach like for your project when it was in formation? Well, in the majority of my participatory work, I use social media as a platform. Uh, I think it's more, uh, it's not specific. It does not put anybody on the spot and it becomes sort of a submission process. So I just announced it on Facebook and Instagram and uh, women started sending the documents and I thought maybe 10 or 20 would respond, but about 200 did. That's phenomenal. So has the work changed over the years or was it made in that period and then remained as it was? Well, the document itself now has been digitized, so it's invisible, does not have form, and it makes you wonder about things that occupy a space that you can touch and read, and when it's invisible, do we still address it the same way? But the, the permission, the guardianship rule still exists in Saudi, and it is being contested and sort of debated in society and on TV and in journalism. And we are waiting for this to be the final sort of gesture to remove this guardianship rule from the lives of Saudi Arabian women. Quite a lot of your practice has been investigating the perception or also the space of permission for women in Saudi have you ever got into any trouble for the works you've done or do you ever see any benefit? I mean, obviously it's been very therapeutic and enlivening for the women who take part and very essential for them to make their voices part of your work. But have you ever seen any benefit in terms of legislation or at least uh, influence come out of one of your works? Well, legislation is a very Western word. So we have royal decrees that change the laws in Saudi Arabia. To tell you the truth, I've had this sort of a very long struggle with the idea of activism and art and seeing the results of activism through art. And I think that I do not produce art that is, in that sense, active, that does something really. It is more or less a space where you can ask questions and leave that to the public or, or the person that engages with the artwork to come up with the idea of whether to be an activist or whether to have a think about the questions that I've asked. So this is the most I think that my art could move, is your thoughts and, and what you see and what you absorb. I think there are much more active people within the space of changing laws and empowering women that are on the ground. And I think different people have different things to contribute 
to this argument, to this debate, to making a world a better place, I guess. No, as an artist, I'd say I definitely agree that it's the best approach for art to just create a safe space for people to make up their own minds in. I remember you did a, a wonderful piece at Al-Sakal Avenue. It was shown, it was a Rolls-Royce commission, and it was a film that you'd made and an installation in the end about women driving. Tell us a little bit on the title of that work. Um, the title of the work was called And I Had No Wings. And it was based on the small figurine that sits on the Rolls Royce, which is a woman with wings that's called the Spirit of Ecstasy. And the Spirit of Ecstasy was a cast of a woman that worked back in the day with Mr. Rolls Royce. It was his secretary, actually. So I just sort of took the idea of this woman sitting at the helm of a car, being empowered, flying. And I started thinking about the idea of movement and the right for movement for women. And maybe it could actually be a general concept uh, in the idea that when you sit in the backseat of a car. And so this artwork, this video installation, seven screens displayed in a very random way. And some screens are synchronized and some are not. And there are videos of shots from the backseat window of a car driving through the eastern province of Saudi Arabia. Now, while driving, you will hear within this artwork the sounds of the interior of the backseat of the car. Bearing in mind that always a person sitting in the backseat of a car has a completely different view of the front seat of the car. Also, the person sitting in the back has less power than the person sitting in the front seat. And these are questions that you ask when you are permanently placed in the backseat of a car. What does it mean and how does it feel? And Rolls-Royce considers it the luxury, whereas I consider it a restriction. And these are the different points of view. And I'm very happy that Rolls-Royce supported this kind of work that is a little bit contradictory to what they really expected as a sort of a marketing tool, but it shows you the broad-mindedness of these amazing art commissions that come through Dubai and come to the artists that live there. And I was very happy that Al-Sirkal had actually donated the space for me to show the work. And so I had access to the audiences that came through Al-Sirkal. And it was a very great experience. And of course, since you made the work, things have changed in Saudi Arabia for women concerning driving. So. Was there any revisiting of your work in that period? Because, you know, announcing that women can drive is, is a seismic shift for them in terms of what's, what's defining their society. So were, were people saying, oh, do you remember that, that work by Manal Al-Dwayan where she showed the backseat of the car as the, as the place that women know in Saudi and now, now let's have one at the front or that's a time to revisit that work. I mean, it's extremely pertinent to what's going on now. Well, to tell you the truth, it wasn't this work. The video work was not the main focus once the, the ban was lifted on driving. What happened was a photograph I took 15 years ago in 2005 called The Choice, which portrays a woman holding a steering wheel and just hiding her face behind the steering wheel. Black and white silver gelatin print and that became sort of the symbol and logo or whatever. The thing that circulated throughout social media once the announcement was made. And in a way, uh, I had very interesting discussions about how this work now might be 
historical and no longer contemporary is entering that space of remembrance. And I'm very happy that it's gone into that space. And I look forward to all of my works sort of losing their contemporary status yeah, and relevance. That's a great attitude as an artist. It's a very liberal and open attitude. So you feel your work is an implement of the time. And if it's used, if it's become effective, if it's been in tune with the time, it will eventually lose its relevance. Does it lose its relevance? That's a different question. But definitely it will become something that is not current and contemporary. It sort of becomes now a marker of a time, of a space, of uh, a political status of a country. I think maybe, for example, my niece who's eight years old will eventually uh, look at this picture and think, oh my God, really you didn't drive cars? Just like we now think about mobile phones, how did we exist without them? And so it still remains in this contemporary thought because women's rights are still evolving and changing within the region. But I'm very happy that some of the activism through art is becoming more of a memory or a symbol of a time. That's it. So to be accurate, you would say it's changing its relevance because it becomes a marker of a time, as you said, and we can test and feel the, the temperature of the time by looking back at your work as it goes into archive. And actually it becomes more important that way. I'm not sure about importance, but <laughs> well, I'm glad you think so. So in the UAE, you've had an amazing presence. It's been really a sort of formative space for you in the UAE. What do you feel your relationship with the country is? I really consider myself a citizen of the UAE, and I'm a true believer of the Gulf being sort of a porous border. I have family in the UAE, a family in Kuwait, family all over the Gulf. And so um, it was a second home for me. But what really made it important to me as an artist was the, the existence of an art industry, which is lacking in the rest of the region. So there's a good ecosystem that helps an artist continue to make work, fund work, and there are more than enough spaces to show work, a rarity sometimes in my country. So I chose Dubai for a combination of reasons. One of them is to be near many other artists that have chosen the UAE for their home, closeness to what is happening in the art scene. So you, you sort of follow what work is being made, the temperature of, of what artists are addressing, and especially in a region that's constantly in turmoil or changing or evolving, there is very exciting things happening. And to be very near it is important to me as an artist. But yes, UAE will always be, uh, and specifically Dubai, a place where an artist can make work easily, cheaply, and be supported by both the commercial industry and the government institutions equally. Brilliant, and thank goodness, or I wouldn't have met you in Dubai on the scene. A big up for multiculturalism then. So how has living and being represented in different countries impacted your work? Because I know you're about to have a, a huge solo show in, in Madrid. Yes, my solo show is going to be at the end of November in Madrid with Sabrina Amrani Gallery, my gallery that represents me in Spain and Basically, they take care of my artworks in all of Europe and America. It is very interesting to have 
a platform that shows your work not in your home, not in a place where people understand your language. And then that's when my language and background and actually the context is very different. And when, when you're an artist that is used to producing artworks that, where the viewers that come to see your works understand the context immediately, is completely different than when you show your work in a space where context does not exist. So what you're saying is when you're showing abroad and people don't immediately understand the context you come from, the visuals take on a different importance. And it also gives you a space as an artist to see how your work is being interpreted in a global sense rather than a local. It also tests you as an artist to think about whether your work is relevant regardless of location, of language, of space. And the message, or not the message, sort of the thoughts and the ideas that are poured into the making process are not guided by an informed viewer. And so this is a very important challenge for an artist. It makes you think about your works harder and also address your personal insecurities about translating and, and writing about your work for multiple audiences. Sometimes you need to just hold back and not do that and allow the work to speak wherever it, it may land. Now, I have some very old artworks that are being shown all over the world, and it fascinates me how this work had moved from a very small, humble exhibition about 10 years ago in a small gallery in Dubai, and now it sits in a museum across the world, and how it's being received, how it's being interpreted, and I think this is an exciting sort of turn of events when an artwork does that for you. So in the Spain show, will the works all be made specifically for Spain, or will it be a mix, or are they existing works? Well, I'm making artworks for a solo show, and... Uh, I've been sort of uh, working on the concept for about two years here in London. It's part of my research at the Royal College of Art. So the ideas were formed, they were ready, and I really felt like I would like to go to a space like Spain where language is not something that I speak. I don't speak Spanish very well, un poco. <laughs> Um, and just sort of test my practice or how I make art within that setting. I just wanted a new challenge. I, I think that's very exciting because actually I think a lot of artists do make their work in their studios and then certain works get picked for a solo show and they haven't made the works knowing where they're going to end up. So I think the idea of your communication, context, international reach, it makes the work a lot more relevant in this context. So tell us a little bit about the work you did. It was a huge suspended work. It was textiles and it was to do with dyeing and knotting. And the thread. Oh. And the thread. I gave up on the dyeing. I abandoned the dyeing because we started dyeing the thread and the weavers, including myself, kept getting our hands stained so badly. So I decided to go with a synthetically colored thread for the weaving. Still wool because that's the main kind of... A thread that weavers use for sedu. This artwork is called Sidelines. It was made a few years ago to, uh, I think, 2013, 
where it was a participatory work as well. And it was called Sidelines in a sense it was addressing craftswomen because I've worked with craftswomen throughout my career in different projects. And this one was really focused on them because I had built this closeness to a group of women that are sort of the incubators of heritage and crafts that are used as symbols of pride and identity but them as the makers specifically are living in poverty so their craft is revered but the craft maker is ignored and so what I did was I decided to produce this work that speaks about these women weavers who actually in their tribes sat right at the center. They were the money makers, where men focused on herding and being in the outdoors. The women are the ones who maintained the camp. They're the ones who created the homes by with their own hands, weaving the tents. And through modernization, through the you know introduction of oil into our society in Saudi Arabia, they were pushed aggressively to the sidelines and live really in poverty right now in Saudi Arabia. So this work was sort of a symbol of that, or sort of just to highlight it or ask questions that are necessary about what we are revering and what we are ignoring, what we are preserving and using as an indicator of who we are and what we are doing to the ones who are actually creating these moments and these ideas. So I asked them to weave massive pieces of sedu, which is the common weaving technique in Arabia. And then we destroyed the weaves. So we opened the stitches and only left a very small part where you can see the craftsmanship and maybe hurt a little to see it dissolve at the lower part of the artwork. It sits in a spiral where you need to sort of walk through it and be encompassed by the work. And yeah, that's sidelines. Amazing deconstruction process. So you went through the whole fabrication with them, you understood their toil, you understood their labor, and then instead of showing us the finished project, you unraveled it in a way as if to say, look what's behind the finished product. What kind of relationship did you have with these women by the end? Oh, I've had a relationship with them for years. Um, They don't understand what I'm doing as a contemporary artist, but they always send me on WhatsApp when they see, you know, articles and newspapers and wish me well and all that. What happened is that I took this project to be shown in Kuwait at the Sedu Museum, which is founded by Sheikha Altaf al-Sabah. And weavers from Kuwait came to the opening and kept looking at the weave that we had done in Saudi. And their first comment was, and uh, we don't like the weaving. We think I think we can do something better. And so I thought, oh my God, it's becoming a participatory art beyond, like without me controlling it. And so I told them, if you want, make pieces for me and we destroy it together. And they agreed and they gave me five pieces from Kuwait. And now I'm hoping to move this work to other locations where women weave. For example, the north of Saudi, Jordan, maybe Syria one day. We'll see how this work is still ongoing. It'll be shown during my solo show also in Spain. So if you want to come see it. (laughs) It sounds amazing. I love the way it's just growing in itself. 
thank you so much for describing your practice. Let's just wrap up now with your recommendations. To your mind, can you name one or two artists you consider to be doing vital work these days that people should be paying attention to? So it may be one of your peers that you've been working alongside or showing alongside or socializing with because that's very important to have those informal conversations across artists. Or somebody that you've recently bumped into on your travels, you thought, oh, this is, this is a direction that I would like to watch art going in. Um, I have an individual and a, a group. So the individual, I think one of my close friends is an artist from Dagestan. Her name is Taus Machikeva. I know I butchered her last name, but this is close enough. She's a sort of a performance video artist that comes from a Muslim heritage in Russia and her context is also so unique and she does address she has a series of works about the Dagestani nose she has a series of videos where she's addressed the national gallery and the artworks that are collected there in her own country and I see how Taos also has been able to move her work from the local to the global still staying true to her sort of storyline and her background uh, within her works. I really admire her as an artist. Also as a collective, while I was living here in London for the past two years, I started a, sort of a collective Arab art discussion salon where artists would meet in my studio or somewhere else and we would discuss many, many things. But out of this group, I really recognized a very interesting direction within these young artists that are from the UAE, Kuwait, Oman, and Saudi Arabia. So I would say pay attention to these emerging artists. I want to mention all of them, but I'll just give you a few names. So Ahad Al-Amoudi is an amazing video artist from Saudi Arabia. Shamma Al-Amri is an Emirati artist who works with multimedia, performance, painting. Mozel Matrushi, also from Sharjah, she does amazing performance work and you need to pay attention to her. Along with, you know, uh, Sara Al-Agrubi, Saeed Al-Madani, Salama, Naseeb, and the young, the future is so bright, man. And the young artists that are coming out are much more in tune to their environment and to the global, political, environmental situation that they are making work within. And I think the coming years, you're going to see some very challenging and interesting work. Brilliant recommendation. Thank you so much. And what will you be doing after Madrid? Have you got any trajectory planned? Where will you move to? Well, I bought a one-way ticket to Madrid. That's the idea. I'm definitely going to come back uh, to Dubai a little bit. I'm going to come back to London. I'm, I'm just going to continue to do my rotation of one-way tickets until I'm exhausted. But Dubai always remains my home. I can see a work in that one-way ticket. Manal Al-Dwayan, thank you so much for joining us today on Folio. Thank you, Fari. Thank you.